Hey, good morning, everybody. And I haven't had a chance to say Happy New Year yet. So Happy New Year to all of you and to those that are online at Bush Lake and West Tonka. Good to be together. And I know that we have plentiful numbers of people who are online today and we celebrate that as you're sitting with your fireplace and your scone and your cup of coffee this morning. I just want you to know we are having steak and scrambled eggs here on our campuses today and we're really enjoying it, aren't we, right now, everybody? We're just having the best time in the journey. Well, we launched the new year with um, a really exciting and I think important way to start the year. It's a study of the book of Colossians. It's a letter that um, we're going to get into for eight weeks. It's an extraordinary letter. As was already said, I've entitled it, kind of an odd title, I Come Alive When Fill in the Blank. And the invitation will be each week we'll look at the scriptures and fill in the blank around those things that make us come alive. And why this title? Because God wants us to come alive. He wants us to be alive and to feel alive. And there's no other letter or um, book in the New Testament that is as prescriptive and descriptive of what it means to come alive. So we want to enter into that. And I think everyone has um, come alive moments that are more temporary come alive moments. For me, I love basketball. So when I see the Minnesota Gophers beat Michigan in Michigan, and then Maryland two games in a row in the Big Ten, I don't know why I come alive around that, but then they lose to Indiana on Friday, and I'm, it's temporary, that's all I'm saying. But you know, I come alive when basketball is good. I love it. Or when my grandchildren, relationally, when they come running and give me a hug, I come alive with that. Or when um, I do a cold plunge. Some of you ask, Joel, are you still doing a cold plunge? Oh yeah, totally I am. In fact, I did one this weekend in this nasty cold. I was, I, I've got evidence, here, here I am doing a cold plunge in Lake Minnetonka. Doesn't that excite you? Don't you want to join me in this journey right now? And take a look at this. Yes, go down, come back up. I'm telling you, I come alive. There is a euphoric calm. Now, it can kill you, so <laughs> it may not be for everybody, and I get that, but for me, I love it, I love it. But can I be honest, it's not the temporary come alive moments that Paul is speaking to, or I want to speak to today. No, I think everyone longs for lasting come alive moments. And, and for me, I come alive when Jesus Christ is most alive in me. When I see who Jesus is, and what Jesus does in me, and for me, and through me, oh, I come alive. And that's where Paul wants us to go. He wants to take us in that given direction. And he teaches us how. We can learn this, how to come alive. And can I just say, we need to. We really need to. If you look at some of the discouraging trends um, for Christ followers and for the church of Christ in America, it's a bit disheartening right now. In fact, there is a political scientist by the name of Ryan Burge. And Ryan, in the last few years, has been doing this most amazing, cutting-edge research. One of those pathways is the rise of the nuns, atheists, agnostics, agnostics, and people who have no religion. In 1972, that was 5% of the American population. Today, it's um, just about 25% and rising and rising. 
And then when you look at Thomas Reiner, who is a church sociologist, and his most recent research about, I mean, I fell over, honestly. His research indicates that 80% of churches in America are plateaued, are declining. Well, in your personal life and in the church life, if we're plateaued and declining, I'm pretty sure we aren't coming alive, we're not feeling alive, and we're not being alive in Christ. And yet, this is what God wants for us. He wants us to be alive. So it's important that we give energy around this. And could I just be bold and say at the beginning of this year, could we join together and change the trajectory of those trends? Could we do our part and be a church that indeed comes alive? In fact, that's the 2024 goal. I suppose in one word, the goal for 2024 is Christ-likeness. That every teaching series, our teaching series is outlined all the way um, up to Christmas. And every teaching series has in mind um, a pattern for us to grow our faith. Or if I could take what you see in the walls on all, all of our campuses, our way is to be in love like Jesus. We're gonna put the legs to what that looks like in your job, in your families. It's gonna be a great year, you guys. It's gonna be so good, so helpful. And my prayer for you, for us as a church, when we come to December 31st, 2024, you will not be the same person that you are today, wherever you might be tuning in, that you will be more alive, you will feel more alive, that you will be more alive in Jesus Christ. That's the invitation we want to give. So I guess the question to start is, do you even feel alive today? And some of you might say, yeah, I mean, it's a little cold, but yeah, I feel alive today. And some of you say, well, it's probably an ebb and flow. And can I say, I join you in that? Because I feel more alive in Christ some days than other days. And for some of you, it's just a flat out, no, Joel, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never experienced what it means to be alive. I don't even know that I can get my hands around that. Wherever you are on that continuum, here's the invitation. Would you take a next step? Would you be intentional? I don't know the goals that you set for this year, but could you rise above all your other goals and say, I'm going to make, take a next step and grow my faith. Wherever I am on that continuum, all of us can take a next step and grow our faith. So I give you that invitation. You could do it. We're going to give practical tools to come along and assist you in that. Um, I know for me personally, I'm going to step into this with an invitation and challenge for you to read Colossians every week, once a week at least, for the next eight weeks. It's only four chapters. It's 95 verses. That's all. Yeah, and it's an important read. Did you know that in America, we average, um, the average American watches three hours of television every single day? That's one Vikings game, and how's that working for you? And, and I'm a fan, believe me, I am, but you know how long it takes to read the book of um, Colossians? 13 minutes. 13 minutes. I'm saying, would you read it at least once a week all the way through? But you really could do it every day if you so choose, but it will make a difference. Or something that you could do intentionally to take that step of faith to grow your faith is to enter into the beginning year, our 21-day prayer and fast. You'll hear more about that later. I haven't started mine yet. I'm starting mine tomorrow. But join me in that. Let's be part of a prayer and fast for the next 21 days. We'll hear from the voice of God. He will guide our steps as we, as we seek to move forward. So that's the invitation. So let's jump into it. Today, I want to do several things. I want to give you just the context for this letter because it's important to understand the content of the letter. And then I get to introduce today the, the, the theme word of 2024. Every January I introduce the theme word that will populate throughout the word our year. And then also the theme verse or text that undergirds it with an invitation for you to memorize that 
that verse. I'm going to do that. And then we're going to get into the rest of the first part of this letter and see four things that Paul calls out that he commends in this church because this church is alive. I'm telling you, God is alive in it. And you know where it begins? going to surprise you. It's Colossians 1. 1, 1. It goes this way. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, that was his dear friend, his soul friend, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. <clears throat> so we find even at the end of this letter, a beautiful New Year's invitation for us. Grace and peace to you. Grace is God's favor. So may I extend this to you? May God's favor be upon you in 2024. And peace to you from God. May God's peace, that is um, a settled state, a settled mind, um, be yours in 2024. Because it's going to be a wild year. It is going to be a great year. And we're going to grow in becoming more alive in Jesus Christ. And what a gift it is to be able to do that. We find here that Paul is the one who writes it. Actually, um, Epaphras is the name of the guy who actually started the church in Colossae. And what, what a start it was. Here, here's this guy who comes to faith in Jesus Christ through the influence of the Apostle Paul. And it radically transforms his life to the end that he's going from town to town and village to village. And he's starting churches. One of those was in Colossae. It's about a two-year-old church. And I'm telling you, as a church planter, because I had the privilege to start Westwood, is I resonate with Ep Epaphras. Not his name necessarily, really interesting name, but with who he is and what he did. Wow, this guy how God blessed that initiative, and he was an influencer in that town. But it was Paul who wrote the letter, and he wrote it, believe it or not, from prison. He'd never been to Colossae. He writes about wanting to come and visit soon, but he had never been there. But he takes the time while he's in prison to write a letter. And let me give you some geographical context to it because we find here that when you zone, zoom in, you, you'll see Israel pop up. And we want to pray for Israel and all that's happening um, in Israel to the Palestinian people and all that's taking place. That should be part of our prayerful flow through the course of the year. And north of that is this modern-day country we call Turkey. And if you zoom in a little closer, you'll find that Ephesus is on the west coast. But I want to call attention to these two towns, not just Colossae, but also Laodicea. It's about 100 miles from Ephesus to Laodicea, two to three day walk to get there. So Epaphras is making that journey often, going into the town. There's a river that runs through these two towns. And I want to call it up because there's something that might speak to you in it. Colossae is surrounded by white-capped mountains, and when the water melts, it runs down and creates cool, um, refreshing springs for cold plunging, I guess, and other things that they did. And, and, and into that river, it, it would flow as well. But then to the north, Laodicea is known for its hot springs. And that water would flow down and enter into the river and converge with the cold springs to become lukewarm water. Is that resonating with anybody? From Revelation chapter 3, when Jesus gives a pretty pronounced exhortation, not complimentary, to the church of Laodicea. Remember what he says? I have seen your works and your deeds. They are neither hot or cold. You are lukewarm. Can you imagine Jesus saying of Westwood, 
You're neither hot nor cold. You're just lukewarm. I don't want to hear those words from Jesus. Do you? In your life or for our church? We want to be an alive church. And so we find that Paul writes this letter for a, 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 and really an upside and a downside to it. The upside is God is on the move. Um, this ch church is alive. I mean, they feel alive and God is working through them. He's heard. Paul has heard about all that's taking place. So he's writing to commend them, to thank them specifically for things that are keeping this church so alive. And he's also writing them to strengthen them around their faith because they're only two years old and already he's heard news about what's happening and this is the downside. There are cultural forces that are starting to compromise the vitality, the sustainability, the impact of this church um, and there are false teachers that are coming in and making them confused, causing, calling into question this Jesus whom they have given their lives to saying he's not God and it be, brings this confusion for them and it starts to compromise their vitality along the way. And can I just say, if you're in a constant state of confusion and skepticism concerning the power of God in your life, it does not take long for you to become lukewarm. But God's vision for us is to come alive, to be alive, and to feel alive in the journey. And so Paul gives this instruction to help guard their hearts from all that was taking place around them. And he points in the letter, he'll come back to it again and again, to the supremacy, the importance of Jesus, the sufficiency of Jesus for everything that you need in your life. Oh, make him the center of your life. At Westwood, in 2024, make him the center of your life. And it will be a wellspring of life flowing up and in and through you when you do. W one more thing that I want to call out here that I think is really important. And he has this... Um, integrative motif of thanksgiving, of thankfulness. We're going to see it again and again. And you could say it's not really thanksgiving, it's thanks living. Live in a spirit of thanks that you have been rescued, transformed, and welcomed in the family of God. And he repeats it again and again. And he's really saying to us at Westwood, you have been rescued, be thankful. You are being transformed, be thankful. You are being welcomed into the family of God, be thankful. And it repeats itself again and again throughout the letter and you'll see that even as we move forward. And so you find this beautiful posture of thanks living that Paul has. And it's informative for us as we choose our word for 2024. Ready? Here it is. Posture. Our word is posture. We're going to sprinkle it in throughout the course of the year. That posture really does matter. And yeah, I know, right away you hear posture and you hear your mom's voice saying, sit up straight. And that may be true, but there's posture in the scriptures, you know. There's uh, opening hands, there's raising hands, there's bended knee, there's external posture. But the posture that we're utilizing here is this inward reality that has an outward expression. But it begins on the inside with a heart and a mind that is aligned with the way of Jesus. That's our posture, to be aligned in Christ-likeness in the course of this year in the way of Jesus. And that's the path that he's leading it on because posture truly does matter. And you know this, that our posture is informed by God first. His posture toward us. His love for us opens up the door for us to love others in ways that we would never consider. His posture toward us with mercy. 
um, opens up our window to be merciful to others when our inclination of flesh would not be inclined to move in that direction at all. And so let me just give an illustration that might be of help to you as you hold this word posture in your mind in the course of 2024. When I was in fifth grade, I cannot believe this even to this day, but they required square dancing, that you had to learn how to square dance. How many of you had a requirement for square dancing? So it wasn't just my school. There's a lot of you that were required to square. I was terrified. I did not want to square dance. I didn't want to dance, square dance, any other dance. I did not want to hold the hand of a girl. I didn't want to look into her eyes. I was terrified. I was fifth grade. I was shy. I was required to do it. And honestly, I have very few memories of it. I'm just glad it got over with when it finally got over with. But two things stood out to me. And one was related to posture. Remember how you start the square dance? With a nod or a bow. Even though there was nothing in me that wanted to be with the person in front of me, I had to show respect and bow. You are going to be with people who are going to challenge you this year in 2024. But your posture is to begin with a nod and a bow. And the other thing I remember about it is the lead foot really matters the success of the dance, the fluidity of the dance, and how you learn the dance. If you remember, the lead foot is three steps forward, tap your toe, three steps back. I know, anybody want to come up and <laughs> we'll go for the nod and the lead foot. There's a spiritual analogy, friends, for all that is ahead of us in 2024. And I think you know the forecast for 2024 in America. Stormy. Based on the fact that we have an election this year. Are you excited about it? Iowa caucus begins this week. But can I tell you that the turbulence that comes in an election year is really significant. It divided our country last time. It's not going to this time. We're not going to let it this time. All right. But there are 64 nations in the world today that have an election in 2024. First time in history. That many. It's a turbulent world. An unsettled world. And we're in an unsettled country. Friends, our posture matters in 2024. Your nod. Your lead foot. So let me give you the spiritual analogy. The lead foot for us as Christ followers is grace. And the second foot is truth. Because when you lead with truth, you can become self-righteous without even realizing it. When you lead with truth, you can create alienation and isolation from the very people we are called to reach and to love. And this posture is really important. It teaches us how to relate to God, how to understand self, as well as how to see people and treat people and reach people that lead foot. But we're going to do a spiritual square dance, and it's required learning. And it's the invitation for you to begin your conversations with people, some who you don't want to be with at all, with mercy, a nod, and a respect. Whether you agree with them or not, we start with the dignity of humanity, which opens the door for the way, the truth, and the life, who is Jesus. Hearts soften when we start with mercy and grace. Can I get an amen to that square dance? Would you do that in 2024 with us? And posture will be our word, and the theme verse to anchor us is Colossians 3, 7, 
19, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever comes out of your mouth in 2024, whatever works or deeds that you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Mercy, grace, and then truth, and we'll get there together. So would you recite the verse to me, with me along the way? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, thanksgiving to God the Father through him. So thanks living posture. That's the theme word and the theme verse for 2024. Yes and amen. Anybody just say amen. amen. Yeah, thank you God. Say thank you God. Thank you. All right, let's come alive with this. Memorize that verse. Um, could I encourage you to memorize 3, 12 through 17 if you're in the mood? Or would you just go ahead and memorize all of chapter three? It's the most prescriptive chapter in all of the Bible. If you've never memorized a chapter, now there's a challenge for you. You'll love it. And it, you'll love it as much as a cold plunge. But the reward is a euphoric calm all the way through. So that's our theme verse. And now we step into the journey of Paul. What, what, he's in prison. I mean, this guy is pressed in. His life is at risk. He writes this beautiful letter. All oh, write beautiful letters to people. Not just texts, not just emails. They take a pen in hand and write a letter. And he encourages them. And you know how he starts? He commends them for their posture. And he speaks about not just a posture, four postures that have made this church come alive, to be alive, to feel alive. And, and he's really not just speaking to them alone. This letter's gonna go from generation to generation. He's speaking to us at Westwood. Your posture matters. Embrace these four postures, and I'm just going to touch on them briefly to get us going into the book into the weeks ahead. But it begins in verse 3, and you're going to find two of the postures here. We always thank God. There it is again. Thanks living. The Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. So the first thing he says, I thank God for your posture of faith in Jesus Christ. In other words, they had taken this posture that says, I believe Jesus Christ is not dead, he is alive. I believe that Jesus Christ is at work in me and for me and through me, but that's not all. I believe Jesus Christ is at work in you and for you and through you. So you find right away, what he's heard about them is that they are cheerleaders of each other. They're encouragers of each other. They're helping each other grow in faith that Jesus Christ is not dead, he is alive, and it's made the church alive and a compelling force in this surrounding region. And so you find almost this spirit of unity that had taken over this church, so much so that he had heard about it and sends this letter to them, that they're saying, yes, we trust Jesus as our Savior. We trust Jesus as the Lord of our lives. We trust that Jesus is sufficient for our every need. In other words, they're saying, we're united in faith. We're united in faith. Would you say those words with me? We're united in faith. Now, would you declare those words with me at the beginning of 2024 for us as a church? We're united in faith. Boy, if we're united in faith, friends. The chances of us coming alive in greater measure are very promising. And he doesn't stop there. He says, and the love you have for God's people. He's saying, oh, I thank God for your posture 
of love for people. You love people really well. And you know the power of love because it makes you feel like you belong. Love is such an important part of our journey and our, our, our reality of people being compelled to even consider coming to faith in Christ or being part of a local church. And the word here for love, this little word in the English love, in the Greek, I mean, this love has so many meanings in Hebrew and in Greek, but the word here in the Greek is the agape o love. And you know this love because it's part of the most well-known verse in the world for God, so agape the world that he gave his only son. It's voluntary, it's sacrificial, it's other-centered in every way. And you find the word right before Jesus is crucified, the evening before, in the upper room, and he says he shows his friends the full extent of his agape, and he comes down and he washes their feet. Friends, agape love is a foot-washing love. It's a posture, a foot-washing. It's about meeting the needs of others when it's not my need. And it has a transformative power in the name of Christ that makes your faith come alive on the inside, but it has an effect on others that compels them to want to know who God is. So he gives us this beautiful picture and reminder. So we have this phrase at Westwood that everyone is welcome, nobody is perfect, but all things are possible, um, and we're, we're grateful for that. All things are possible. Don't you want to live with that promise and that hope? And he gives us that. And this is the posture. This is the spiritual square dance. Um, start with grace and mercy and love. Because when people feel like they belong, when they feel valued, they become open to the way, the truth, and the life. We had in 1995, um, when we started Westwood, it was an amazing couple years. I just so resonate with this book because they're about two years old. And I think of those first two years in our own journey. And we had this prayer that everybody on our lead team knew about. We prayed it for almost two years. I think I want to bring it back. For those who are new, our, our prayer was this. Um, when somebody would come and visit and they'd leave and get into the car, I kind of wish sometimes I could just be in there. <laughs> what are they saying? Um, now I'm glad I'm not in there most of the time. I don't want to be in there. But I, our prayer was that the first thing they would say is, oh, how they love their God. Oh, how they love each other. And oh, how I want that love. Because love speaks to the soul, the hunger, the appetite for us to belong to God. It's the eternity in our hearts that he speaks to. I think we should reissue that prayer for us going into 2024 in order that we might grow to be more alive, that we're united um, in love. We're united in love. We're united not just in faith. We're united in love. Let's say those words together. We're united in love. Say that. Declare it. We're united in love. At the beginning of 2024, can we do that? Let's be united in love and see what God wants to do in and through your life and us collectively as a church. And then we get to this third posture that Paul has, which, by the way, the faith and the love has a fuel source, and it's found right in our next verse here. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message, the true message of the gospel that has come to you. Oh, believe the message of God's love for you as being true. He is not dead. He is alive. And from that given place, hope fills you up for today. No matter what you're going through, you can still have hope. And it overflows with the promise of a stored up hope for everything that is still before us. What a great way to look at the, the year that is before us. It's a 
call for us to enter into this beautiful hope kind of given place. I read an article this past uh, couple of weeks from the New York Times, and the article was called The Rising Tide of Global Sadness. It's by David Brooks, and in it he has the research of Gallup Poll's research of 140 nations that they do every year related to emotional lives of people in 140 countries. And it was astonishing to read the negative emotions um, of people related to stress, anger, worry, pain, hopelessness is on the rise in all 140 countries. They've never seen those kinds of results. There's a hovering despair, friends, in the world. There's a hovering brokenness. There's hovering corruption. There's hovering abuse. And that was the case for this church as well. But in the middle of it, we find that they have this hope that is called out for them that becomes quite a compelling picture, to say the least. In fact, this hope that Paul speaks about really is something we want to understand. And and so I've, I've got a working definition for you. That hope is, on one side, the ongoing feeling of expectation and desire that a certain thing will happen. Friends, if we lose that, we, we won't be alive. We won't come alive, feel alive in any kind of way. But the word hope in the Greek in this passage is a more succinct, powerful, significant definition. It simply is profound certainty. So when I have a posture of hope, it tells me I can get through the hurt and the hard with profound certainty. In that article, it includes another sociologist who has triggered a word for the decade. Now, we have a word for Westwood in 2024. He's given a word for the decade for the world out of this research, and it's trauma, that more people are defining their lives by their hurt than by their hope. Oh, we need hope. And when I take the posture of hope, I dream new dreams, and I see them through with profound certainty. I don't think I'm exaggerating to say that the posture of hope may be the single force of fuel that makes you come alive, feel alive, or be alive in life, but especially in Jesus Christ. And that's what he's calling us to. Let's be a people of hope. And I have, I'm moving that way. I've got a hope journal, so I'm asking people to write one sentence of hope for 2024. And in my journal, I'm gonna be praying that for me, myself, and I, for my family, et cetera. All that will be part of the journey. But I gotta keep going here to the next one, the fourth one that he calls out. And it's in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The gospel is bearing fruit. He's saying, I thank God for your posture of bearing fruit. And he's speaking to who they are and what they're doing. And we'll see that as this journey unfolds. But it speaks to us. Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. They were evidencing it, love, joy, and peace, patience, kindness, and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Did I get that last one right? Self-control. Everybody say self-control. Self-control. We're going to need it this year. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's who we are in Christ. People will see that. Let them see it. And in what we do, may what we do bear fruit. In our here, near, far ministry, 
The things that we're doing in all of our campuses, they're amazing. What, your generosity at Christmas is just more fuel for those good things. The Hope House, which is on our Chanhassen campus, your vote of approval last year says we're going to expand that house. We're going to put a shovel in the ground. We're going to double the beds because we turned away 150 kids in crisis. Why has this church taken a heart for kids in crisis? Because we want them to have hope. And we want them to bear fruit. So the evidence that Christ is alive will be seen even in the community. So I'm going to wrap up here with the next section of verses I'm not going to read to you. He moves from thanksgiving to prayer. Specifically, please go back and read it. He, he identifies several things that he's praying for them, for, for wisdom, for them to know God's will, for endurance. And then he wraps up with thanksgiving. Or, could I say, thanks living. Live with thanks. This is what he says. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Wow. So this repetitive thing, friends, Westwood, you're rescued, be thankful. We're being transformed, be thankful. Um, That's not all. We're welcomed in the family of God, be thankful. I am loved, be thankful. And I'm forgiven. Don't lose sight of that. I'm forgiven. Be thankful. And life will come alive. Your faith life will come alive. You'll feel alive. You'll be alive. I just wrap up with just this final thought. When uh, I'm in a Bible study group, small group, encourage you to do the same as well. That's a good encouragement for taking a next step to grow your faith. And we're just wrapping up a study on a book called Gentle and Lowly, Jesus' Heart for Sinners and Sufferers. Any sinners or sufferers in the room? It had a profound impact in, in, our, in our group experience and conversations, really rich and meaningful. In it, it there's a, this statement about there are two ways to live your Christian life. You can live it for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. You can live it for the smile of God or from the smile of God. You can live it um, for your identity as a son or daughter of God or from your identity. And the call and the teaching from Paul is to live from what has already been done by Christ for us. The other one, for, elevates you and what you do rather than Christ and what he has done and continues to do in us. And I'm just mindful in my own life that pattern to default to who I am and what I do versus living in the goodness of who he is. I'll give you just a quick example. When my parents went through their divorce, we were young children, you know, 10, 11 years of age, and we moved to a different state. That's an insecure place for kids to be. My mom and dad raised seven children. My mom um, was raising us in Sioux Falls. She was a cocktail waitress. She worked from 2 p.m. till 2 in the morning, can you imagine, five days a week. And there was this thing that my older sister and I did, and we're the two oldest. We found ourselves cleaning the house all the time. So when she came home at 2 a.m., it would be clean. And what was the motivation? We're kids. Kids don't clean the house. You need to give them allowances. There were no allowances. Why did we do it? I think it was because we were afraid she was going to leave. We didn't want her to leave. What will happen to us if she leaves? So we would clean the house for her smile. Rather, we would learn as the years go on, we could just clean the house from her smile because she wasn't going to leave. Her love was secure. It was solid. She was for us and with us all the way. And so is God. He is with you and for you 
Let's come alive in Jesus Christ. Would you stand and close with me in prayer? Father God, thanks for the gift of life given to us. So good. And might we be a people who live from a place of your presence in us. Grow us this year that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would grow in faith, that we would be marked by love, that we would be hopeful people demonstrating and bearing good fruit to your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.